You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. The Kindred Project is all about Jesus. It's all about what Jesus does to uh, pull people together, reconcile them to God and reconcile them to one another. There was a moment in our history in the recent days when we said perhaps because we have a black president, we're in a post-racial era. And uh, it turns out we're not. Uh, we live in a highly racialized society. Now, this July was horrible with uh, shootings in our streets. And uh, we continue to look for ways uh, to be one people in America. And we're really struggling with that. But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ offers a solution, the, the only solution, I believe, for true reconciliation. And that's what the Kindred Project is all about. It started as uh, three pastors met to get to know one another, to pray together, and then to invite other people into this. And you're very much a, a part of this. And uh, I want to introduce to you with great, uh, it's a great honor for me to be able to introduce Pastor Solomon Liu to you because Pastor Solomon Liu is uh, not only a great man of God, a great pastor, He's a pastor at one of these three churches that's coming together, calling other churches to come together. Uh, um, that's the Mount Zion Baptist Church, Evangelical Chinese Church, and U U UPC. Uh, now, uh, Evangelical Chinese Church is uh, a church that's very dynamic, Christ-centered, it's making impact around the world. It was formed 50 years ago. It now is on uh, in six congregations, in three languages, in two locations, Ballard and in Redmond. And uh, right now, I'm about to race out and join our brothers and sisters of Christ who are worshiping at uh, ECC in Ballard. You saw their choir. They're also racing back. So we're going to uh, experience this family unity uh, over in Ballard as you worship here. And Pastor Solomon is leading you. And you have a, uh, this sermon is a wonderful, wonderful sermon. You're not going to want to invite me back into the pulpit after you hear this. You're going to see if <laughs> Pastor Solomon is available next week. I'm really excited for you. It's been my experience with him. He's a great preacher. He is a third generation pastor. All I have is lawyers in my history, but uh, <laughs> this guy really knows Jesus Christ. And uh, he, has uh, called to ministry at age 16. He's a father of five children, uh, all daughters, and uh, he loves to play tennis, he loves ping pong. He's a musician, plays uh, the guitar. I've got to hear him do that before. And uh, most of all, he has made me feel uh, like a brother. Thank you, Pastor Solomon. Thank you, Pastor George. Let's welcome Solomon Lee. Thank you. Well, good morning, UPC. Morning. It's good to be here. May God's peace be with you. My name again is Solomon and one of the pastors at ECC, Evangelical Chinese Church. Thank you again for allowing me and our choir to be here to worship with you. I want to start by showing you a, a picture of my family. <clears throat> yeah, as you know, I, uh, my wife and I, we have five beautiful daughters. Uh, their names are... Afia, Lydia, there'll be a quiz later, okay? Afia, <laughs> Lydia, Vanya, Keziah, and Moriah. I believe there's a sign of she being passed around for a young man who would like to have... <laughs> Take me out for lunch. To... Okay, um, I... I... <clears throat> I, um, <clears throat> I like this family picture, this photo, because it shows that in a family, 
Not everyone's on the same page. <laughs> yeah, uh, in a family, not everything is going well. Um, we don't have it all together, and we need help. And that's where the church family, church family comes in. And you've heard the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And how that's even more true when you have many children. And uh, our oldest daughter just turned 18 last month. And uh, we took that as an opportunity to thank the uncles and the aunties of our church for being such a big part of our family, for helping us raise our children. Through them, we experience God's love. Right? Through them, we experience God's provision and his faithfulness. Through them, we feel blessed, so blessed by God. In the fall of this year, uh, ECC will celebrate its 50th anniversary. 50th anniversary, 50 years of God's blessing. Now, why am I telling you about my church, ECC? Because perhaps many of you already know, UPC, you are woven into the history of our church. You see, look at this picture. Some 50 years ago, UPC sponsored a family living, a Chinese family living in Korea. Mr. and Mrs. Shu, they did not know a word of English. They did not know the Lord. But through your love, through your care, through your sacrifice, they came to know Jesus Christ. And together with a group of Chinese students from UW and UPC, they formed and they started a church called ECC, Evangelical Chinese Church. And only God knows how many people, especially Chinese people all over the world, have been blessed, have been touched by God because of ECC. So thank you, UPC. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Yes. Praise be to God. You know, why do we feel so, uh, so moved when we hear stories like that? Stories of how God's people stepping out of their comfort zone, reaching out in the name of Jesus, spreading the love of God, crossing even cultural barriers. You know why? Because that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. A few years ago, our church, <clears throat> ECC, had a property on the east side. We wanted to sell it because we needed the cash to renovate our building. We were supposed to sell it for a lot of money. But at that time, there was a Caucasian church that they were in desperate need of a church building. And they really loved that property that we had. But they couldn't afford it. It's a small church. See, the logical thing for us, ECC, to do was to sell the property and make a lot of money. But during our church board meeting, an elder stood up and he spoke up. He said, you know, when we were small, when we were needy, when we were struggling and needed help, it was the American church that helped us. And now God has blessed us, and we're strong, and we're in a position 
to be able to bless others. Let's seize this opportunity. And let's bless the American church. You know, when he said that, tears welled up in my eyes. There was something in me that just like, you know what? This is right. There's this shalom feeling in my heart. You know what I'm talking about? This is right. Because it's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. And we did. We, we ended up selling the property to this church for a very low price. <clears throat> As you know, the leaders of three churches, ECC, Mount Zion Baptist Church and UPC have been getting together to pray and to seek God's will. So last month at, uh, during our, our uh, prayer service, at the end of the service, we all held hands in a circle and we sang, how great thou art. How great thou art at the top of our voices. Tears welled up in my eyes. There's this feeling that's like, this is right. This is right. Because it's the heart of God. The heart of God. Last Sunday, <clears throat> your choir, <laughs> cathedral choir, came to our church to sing. It took all that effort um, to come to our church. And it's not easy, trust me, because we have terrible parking at our church. <clears throat> so they overcame parking issues, right? Language issues. Uh, uh, cultural issues and, and, and space issues. And, and they, when they finally all lined up and they sang Amazing Grace. Oh, tears welled up in my eyes. This feeling is like, this is right. This is so right. Because this is the heart of God. I've entitled today's sermon, Back to the Heart of God. Because at the end of the day, trust me, that's what it's all about. The heart of God. Near, draw near to the heart of God. That's where we belong. That's where we all want to be. The heart of God. And as we people who bear God's image, we do well by asking God, God, show us your heart and help us to align our heart to your heart. May that be the prayer for us today. Amen? Amen. Here's the message uh, outline for today's message. <clears throat> Running, sleeping, and turning. All right, let's look at running. Number one, Jonah chapter one. So God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. And verse 3, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Let's see a map here. Nineveh's on the east. Tarshish all the way, all the way on the edge of the known world at that time. Um, Nineveh represents God's will. Tarshish represents our will. God's will versus our will. God's agenda versus our agenda. Can you relate to that? 
Isn't that our struggle? Isn't that our constant challenge every day? Keep reading. Verse 3 says, Jonah went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. Now, commentaries tell us there were only four times per year where ships would set sail towards Tarshish. Only four times a year. Now, can you just hear Jonah rationalizing to himself? Yes, I mean, can you believe it? I mean, I, I'm struggling between Nineveh and Tarshish. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here to do God's will and, and my will. But, but hey, a ship in front of me headed towards Tarshish. <clears throat> Everything's all lined up. It must be, tell me. God's will. It must be God's will for me. I've heard people say things like, if it's not God's will, then he will stop me. <laughs> Have you heard anybody say anything like that? <laughs> Have you said something like that? <laughs> be careful. Just because it's an open door does not mean it's God's will. Oh, I really need to be healthier. I, I really got to watch my diet here. Calorie, sugar intake. Krispy Kremes! It must be God's will. <laughs> They're serving donuts today at lunch, you know. I know, I, I know I'm not ready for a serious relationship. I, I, I have some issues I need to work on, and I need to get my relationship right with God first. Hey, look, somebody's interested in me. Somebody's paying attention to me. It must be God's will. Be careful. Just because it's an open door does not mean it's from God. It is said that next time you step through an open door, check to see whose hand is on the doorknob. Because <laughs> it could just be us following our own disobedient desires, going where we should have no business going. I want to point out something to you about Jonah. One reason why Jonah was so disobedient to, toward God was because there was a huge gap between his head and his heart. Question, does Jonah know God? Does he? Does he have a head knowledge of God? He did. Look at verse 9. <clears throat> when the sailors asked him about God, he said, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, made the sea and the dry land. Now, do you see the inconsistency here? Right? He believed God in his head. He knew exactly who God was. He could preach sermons about God. But his heart, that's a different story. Isn't that our struggle as well? You know the song, Trust and Obey? Yeah, yeah. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be 
happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. You know, God wants us, His people, to know that happiness is found in Jesus. In Jesus. When we align our heart to His heart, that's where we find happiness. But not Jonah. He believed that happiness was found in Tarshish. Look at verse 3. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, let me ask you a question. Did he ever get to Tarshish? He never did. He never did. He wanted to find happiness there, but he never found happiness. God wants to remind us today that when we depart from his heart, when we depart from his will, we will never find the happiness that we thought we would find. Not only that, there's a steep price to pay for disobeying God. I love this quote. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will leave you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you far more than you ever want to pay. May God help us to not just worship him with our head, with our words, with our intellect, but may we worship him with our heart. May we trust him and align our heart to his heart. Amen? Amen. Number two, let's look at Jonah sleeping. <laughs> verse 5, verse 4 and 5. Here we see storms raging, sailors panicking, ships sinking, and they were about to pa perish. But what was Jonah doing here? Jonah was sleeping. He was sleeping. Now, does this remind you of another story in the Bible where somebody was sleeping in the midst of a storm? Yeah? Right? <clears throat> now, this is not like that story. <laughs> where in the midst of a life-threatening storm, the disciples found Jesus sleeping. Why was Jesus sleeping? Why was he sleeping? Because he he's the Lord of the storm, you see. He's the Lord of the storm. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew how everything was going to end. And sure, he woke up from his sleep and he commanded the, the sea, the waves, the wind. The Bible says, and the wind and the waves, they obeyed him. It was peace. Everything was still because he was sleeping because he had perfect peace. Question, why was Jonah sleeping then? Jonah slept in the midst of a storm, not because he had peace in his heart, but because he did not want to deal with the lack of peace in his heart. How do we know that? Look at verse 9. The Lord, he said, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. The seed and the dry land. 
the God of heaven. See, Boeing did not exist at that time. Okay? So, sea and the dry land, that's everything, right? That's everything they knew. So, in a way, he's saying, the God of heaven, the almighty God, he is everywhere. That's what Jonah said. See, that's the truth. But what's so ironic is that the entire chapter, we find Jonah trying to run away from a God who is everywhere. Do you see how ir ironic here things are? See, because he did not want to deal with the truth. He can't handle the truth. <laughs> right? What did he, what did he do? He went to sleep. He went to sleep. See, that, that's his way of escaping reality. Escaping reality, avoiding truth. Can anybody relate to that? Can you think of an example? <laughs> uh, one, one good example is uh, children, right? Children, when, uh, when my kids were little and uh, I would play hide and seek with them, I said, ready or not, here I come, and I drew closer and closer to them, and they're running around in the middle of the, uh, the room, nowhere to hide, and they found out that I was coming. What did they do? They sat down in the middle of the room, and they covered their eyes. <laughs> hey, if I don't see Daddy, then he must not be there. <laughs> Children, when you're trying to tell them something and they don't want to hear it, what do they do? Cover their ears. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Same thing, many of us, we escape reality. We try to avoid the truth by gaming, hours and hours of video games, shopping, drinking, watching porn, living, busy living the American life, spending a lot of time in social media. What are we doing? We're sleeping. We're avoiding the truth. Question, who is behind this storm? It was God. It was God who was trying to get his servant Jonah's attention. It was God who was behind the storm. See, the same God who calmed the storm, the same God who stilled the, the sea, was the same God who stirred up this storm. God was up to something. And I wonder how often God is up to something. God is doing something in the world, and his people, we often are sleeping. Have you noticed the world in which we live has been hit with storms, storms, natural disasters, very strange weather, uh, snowstorms, flooding, uh, not just physical storms. How, how about moral storms? The 
definition of marriage, gender issues, about political storms, yeah? The, leading up to this election and, and what happens after this election, just, just the disunity in our nation. Storms, one after another. Could it be that God is trying to get our attention? You know, thanks to Pastor George, your pastor, for rallying us together, uh, churches, you know, to set aside our differences and, and focus on what's important to God, the heart of God, the unity that we have in Christ. So let's keep praying. Let's keep discerning. Let's ask God, God, what is your will? God, what do you want to teach us? In times like this, God, what would you have us do in critical times like this? Amen? <laughs> Lastly, number three, we see Jonah turning. The main character in the book of Jonah is not the fish. <laughs> it's not even Jonah himself, but it's God. It's God because from uh, verse 1 to the last chapter, you see God, God. God was the one who called to Jonah. God was the one who sent the fish. God was the one who st uh, stirred the storm. God, it was God, it was God, it was God. God was orchestrating the whole thing. And no wonder we see very interesting uh, he, uh, progression here of the sailor's response to God. Look at this. In the midst of a storm, verse 5, it says, the sailors were all afraid. And then when they found out that it was God who was behind this storm, it says, they were very much afraid. And then at the end, when God calmed the, sto the storm, when everything's peaceful, it says, they were greatly afraid. Why? Because they got to see God for who he was, right? They saw God. They had this correct vision of God. You know, that's what God wants for us, his people as well, to, to have this correct vision of him, to see him for who he really is. Because when we have that vision of him, we will have this reverence in our heart. We'll have this holy fear of him. And we want to obey him. One thing very important that God wants us to see in the book of Jonah is that in spite of the wickedness of the Ninevites, God wanted to save them. In spite of the rebellion of Jonah, God kept reaching out to him, you see. See, God wants us to know that even though he is a God who is so holy and righteous, but he's also a God who is good and a God full of kindness. And what should our response be to a God so kind? Look at Romans chapter 2. It says, it's your kindness that leads to Repentance. Repentance. And that simply means turning. Turning back to God. As we continue to look at the book of Jonah, we will see Jonah 
slowly turning, right? Turning from his rebellion to his submission before God. Turning from wanting nothing to do with God to seeking and praying to God. From the attitude of arrogance and stubbornness to humility and worship. See, that's where God wants to see in all of us. My hope and prayer for all of us is that during this very meaningful season of Lent, that we will learn to listen, listen to God, sense His heartbeat. My hope and prayer is that no matter what's going on in our lives, that as God looks down upon us, that he would not see us running away from him, that he would not see us sleeping to avoid him, but that he would see us turning, turning back to him, turning to him, drawing near to his heart, coming back to the heart of God. Amen? Amen. May that be our prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for speaking to us today. May our heart be broken with the things that break your heart. May what's important to you be important to us as well. May we align our heart to your heart so that when the world sees us, they will see you, Jesus Christ. That's the prayer of our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.